This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Tina Ratata Katoa, no my haramaiki te reo iridangi nei, ko Geraldine Toku Ingoa. Welcome to the Environment Awareness Show, brought to you by Extinction Rebellion Otipoti. We are going out on a Tuesday at 1pm with a replay on Saturday at 11am. You can listen to our podcasts by going to the Environment Awareness Show on the Otago Access Radio podcast page. And you can send us comments and suggestions to our email address, dunedin at extinctionrebellion.nz. We really appreciate your feedback. Well, today I am here with fellow Otipoti rebel, Jamie. No my haramai, tinakui, Jamie. Kia ora. And today we are looking at the deep ecology movement and the work that reconnects. In April, Jamie was a part of a group that hosted a wānanga on Kamo Tauru, Quarantine Island, and I was blessed to be a part of the weekend and had some profound experiences with the activities that we did. So let's begin, Jamie, with um, with you. Ko Waikwe, who are you and um, what journey have you been on that has brought you to to be a part of Extinction Rebellion Otipoti and the work that reconnects. Mm, kia ora, thank you Geraldine. Um, my name's Jamie, called Jamie Ahu, and my family are from England, Scotland, France. I came here five years ago, um, having travelled in Aotearoa, and seeing just how beautiful this place is. And I noticed that people just have a certain affinity with the nature, with the natural landscape. And coming from England, especially London, it's a totally different atmosphere in general. Um, but what really got me into Extinction Rebellion and other activist groups was noticing that actually like, the majority of people seem to just be so busy, perhaps distracted with what they're doing in their day-to-day lives, they're perhaps forgetting their relationship with nature. And that's what brought me into deep ecology. Kind of lived it my whole life, as we all have. We know what's naturally good for the world, if the river's dirty or clean, or if our social systems are working or not, like the politicians, crikey. I feel like it's a bit hopeless. And so deep ecology, studying it and giving it a name was just a natural next step to synchronise my efforts with other people. Kia Okay, and so before we go on, I'd really like us to spend a moment in gratitude because this is the first of the four phases for the work that reconnects. And Joanna Macy, the founder of the work that reconnects, says, in the face of devastation and tragedy, gratitude can ground us. Mm. Especially when we're scared, gratitude can hold us steady for the work that must be done. Mm. So today, two things that I am grateful for are the hot coffee that I had with breakfast <laughs> and the trees that surround my home that I get to look at. What about <laughs> what about you, Jamie? That's beautiful. I, <laughs> I love this activity. Geraldine, I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me here and continuing this work and letting activism just be anything that we feel is important. And I feel like this is something that I've not done before. So it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Okay. So looking at what is deep ecology, so if we first look at shallow ecology, and it is um, the idea of saving the environment because it is valuable to us as humans, and that the health of the environment is important because it's a resource that we can use. Whereas deep ecology is this idea that the earth is a web of subtle yet complex connections and that everything in the web is of value, mm. irrelevant of whether it is useful to humans or not. And a month ago I interviewed Potama here and asked him, what is a Matauranga Māori approach to, to Te Aotearoa, the natural world, and um, 
a Matauranga Māori approach to the climate crisis. crisis. And Pautama talked about that we cannot look at the world as a resource. It cannot be viewed, our mountains, our air, our rocks, they cannot be viewed as resources. Mm-hmm. Is there something, anything else that you would like to add to that idea, the philosophy? Oh, kia ora, I really, appre- I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I particularly like to emphasise that that every single thing has an intrinsic value. Mm. That's like a core part of deep ecology is that everything has an intrinsic value, not just the things that directly serve us as humans. And even if you're only going to have the approach of what serves us as humans, it seems that every single culture, something that transcends all cultures and all people, is wanting to cherish the life on Earth because it actually sustains us. It's almost as if you can't help but see that we're all connected. And that's what deep ecology really prioritises, mm. is that everything has intrinsic value, even if you can't put your finger on it straight away. And so the work that reconnects is based on these deep ecology principles of interconnectedness and value. Mm. And on at Quarantine Island, um, we were taken through a series of like four phases over the workshop over the weekend um, that began with gratitude. Do you want to elaborate on those four phases, please? Yeah, the four phases. So in this work, the reconnects flow, which is part of deep ecology. The four phases that Molly Brown and Joanna Macy came up with amongst all the inspirations like the Buddhism and the US movements at the time, etc., was coming from gratitude, coming from a place of appreciation, being thankful for what you've got, but also being able to draw on the resources that you have abundance to. Mm. So that's the coming from gratitude. And then the next step is honouring our pain, honouring our pain for the world, honouring our pain for ourselves and appreciating that perhaps they're not separate. Perhaps that the pains that we are feeling in our lives are totally connected to the things around us. Maybe it's connected to the water that you're drinking or the argument you had with your partner that morning, honouring your pain and actually respecting it, not just trying to shirk it off, push it away, blame someone else. Honour it. Honour your pain. You can learn from it. The third phase is then seeing with new eyes or seeing with ancient eyes. And what this is, is after you've honoured your pain, you can now see your life, your perspective and the world and the work that you're doing with this new refreshed vision. Once you've finally let go of that pain because you've felt it and you've channeled it and gone through it, you can now see the world in this new way. And the ancient eyes, the new slash ancient, refers to especially indigenous wisdom. For example, here it's very relevant to El Māori. Moving here was very, very obvious five, five years ago that, like, really need to appreciate it more because the indigenous wisdom is totally beautiful and has plenty of the answers and that's where deep ecology really sits so then the fourth phase is going forth and that's bringing all of that gratitude all of that honoring of the pain and seeing the world in the new ancient eyes and then going forth and doing actions that you believe in with this new perspective of the world Mm. Mm. and you have a a song to share with us today yeah, shall I introduce it? Go for it, thank you. Great, so I've got I've got this song that I've been particularly enjoying. It's called, called Carousel by the Alash Ensemble. They're a Tuvan band. Tuva is this um, southern part of Russia, just north of Mongolia. And what I particularly like about this song and, and this entire album, actually, is that they draw from their natural landscapes and they paint a picture with sounds inspired by the nature around them. And then they incorporate the sounds such as whistling to replicate rivers and uh, clacking on drums to replicate the horses that they ride and bring that into their song. So this is Carousel by Alash Ensemble. <laughs> Oh, Jenny, let it 
back to the Environment Awareness Show. We're here with Jamie and we're talking about the work that reconnects. And when we were on Quarantine Island doing this wānanga, we went through um, some incredible practical activities. Um, and one of them was a meditation. And Jamie's going to lead us through a meditation mm. now. Mm. Kia ora, Jamie. Kia ora. Um, so this is a, a small example of some of the work that reconnects. The work that reconnects is loads of different activities coming from those four phases we talked about. And... Um, yeah, I really like meditations because they help ground us, help us listen within, and then help us appreciate that we're part of something greater than ourselves as well. So it's going to be about five minutes long, so get comfortable. If you're driving any heavy machinery or driving a car, I encourage you not to. <laughs> Please be safe whilst, whilst you do this activity. So, And can I just add in there, Jamie, that we, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, this is out on podcast, so just go onto the OAR, OAR page and look it up later if you are driving or something like that. Thank Gather. you. Thank you. Hmm. I encourage you to take a breath, to relax, find your home, your home within you. You are your own island, you are your own safe place. Any feelings, treat them with tenderness. Is there loneliness? Is there fear? That's okay. Treat them with tenderness. You are your own friend. Your home. Connecting with your body connects us to ourselves. Your body is you. This is your home. Ask your body, how would you like to be loved? Love your body. Perhaps loving your body is gently stretching. Perhaps it is saying thank you. Perhaps it's feeling a sore spot and massaging it. Any feelings that your body shares with you, treat them with tenderness. Thank you, body. Your body contains all the information of your history and the history of the cosmos. In every cell of your body, you can recognize the presence of your ancestors, your family relatives, animal ancestors, your plant ancestors, your mineral ancestors. If you can get in touch with your body, and this is a skill, you can get in touch with all of your ancestors and all of the cosmos that came before you. And you can be in touch with all of your children and all of the cosmos that will go beyond you. Breathing in, Becoming aware of the body, breathing out, <sighs> releasing the tensions of your body. Breathing is an act of love for your body. Allow any feelings to come up, listen to them. This is an act of love. 
any feelings whatsoever, even suffering, treat them with tenderness. Through understanding your suffering, you understand the suffering of your mother, you understand the suffering of your brother, of your ancestors, of the world. This is compassion. Any feelings of joy, let them come up. Let them flourish like the flowers of spring. Let yourself feel the joy. Be entirely present. Allow yourself to feel. <sighs> Breathe. Take a moment to consider. How is your relationship to yourself? And how is your relationship to the natural world? Thank you. Mm, thank you, Jamie. It's like one of the really important parts of the work that reconnects, isn't it? It's like connecting in with ourselves and then the world and then realising all the similarities mm. <laughs> and then using that state of connectedness to as a motivation mm, to go on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one of my favourite activities when we were on Quarantine Island was the mirror. And uh, in pairs, we would go around, walking around the island, and it was a beautiful sunny morning, and one of us guided the other who had their eyes closed, and we would take them to different points, like vantage points on the island, and then say, open your eyes and look in the mirror. Mm. And it was, this was incredible, eh? Like, um, at one point I opened my eyes and my partner said, look in the mirror, and I'm like looking out across the, the open harbour and the sun shimmering on the water and I'm like oh this is me mm. yeah it was and so the beauty within and then another time my partner said open your eyes and look in the mirror and it was like this wire wrapped around a tree trunk and the tree had tried to grow around it and oh. it was like oh it's like the wholeness but it's like seeing the beauty and the pain and recognising that in ourselves and it was a really really powerful um, activity and another aspect of it was deciding what to show your partner. Are you going to just say, open your eyes and look in the mirror for these? Mm. <laughs> like what we view as really beautiful things or are we going to let them yeah. see, you know, the reality of destruction and around us and then maybe even find the beauty in that. It was just an incredible, one of the many incredible activities for the work that reconnects. And so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really felt this too in this activity and especially this point of what do you show your partner? It's like, what do you show your children? Mm. And, you know, I'm at the age where I would love to have kids. And some of my friends encourage me, heck yeah, you'll be a great father. You know, we need people for the revolution, all this kind of stuff. But then some people tell me, why would you ever bring kids into this world? Mm. This place is being so destroyed. And it's so devastated. And I think this mirror activity was a brilliant example of that because personally and I'm willing to show my kids all of it you know as I am myself we can't hide from the horrible things but we also can't hide from the love and the connection that we have and I think the looking in the mirror activity helps break down these ideas of individualism helps break down these industrialized ideas that we are all separate and we have to stay in our rooms forever and it helps us see that we are just a little bit more connected mm -hmm. if we can identify with the landscape let alone the people you know all of this being nature Maybe we'll truly have feelings for it and truly love it and care for it. Absolutely. Mm. 
And like in the meditation that you just took us through, Jamie, the idea of um, embracing the suffering and <clears throat> that can be an approach that we take with our parenting. It's like not to to really go into it and just be at ease with it or really feel it. And we did that a lot with the work that reconnects and it was incredibly powerful for people just to be in a really safe space to just go through the absolute grief that um, that is inside when you think yeah. about what's going on in the world. But just really just letting that out was incredibly powerful. Mm. 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 And so I was going to ask you, but you've kind of really answered is like, um, how important um, is it as climate rebels that we see ourselves as a part of the living natural world and not separate from it? Mm. Yeah, I really like this idea. This idea that we are nature, we're not separate from it. Because I think it helps people identify with nature as much as they can, see the intrinsic value in all parts of nature, as if they see themselves, you know, like the mirror activity, you see yourself in the landscape that you're looking in. You know, it's no surprise that people do these studies and they find very high depression rates and people that work in offices looking at concrete walls. What do you expect? Mm. If, if you think that this is yourself, you're seeing a blank piece of concrete, you know, as opposed to trees mm. with fruit on them and that luscious, diverse life. That's inspirational. Mm. I just came back from two days of tramping at Staircase Hut in the local area. It's a beautiful place, Wainakarua. And I was so inspired and all these thoughts came to me whilst I was in nature. There's something about it that's just truly inspirational. Mm. So I think it's really important for us to identify with it. And my belief is one of the only ways of doing that is to actually go into deep, diverse nature. Mm. <laughs> I completely agree. I was just, at the moment, there's, um, at the Meridian Mall, you can go in and is to put trees in <laughs> so that you can experience a forest in a oh different way. And it's like, okay. Or you could go to the bush and really be in it, which yeah. is also not just for our children, but especially to give them those experiences. Yeah, so what would you say is more of a motivator for you? Is it the um, when you're in the forest and feeling so connected, are you feeling so motivated to then go on and be like a climate rebel and fight for our world? Or is it upon like hearing these devastating facts and figures and maybe seeing shocking images? Um, which, which, which motivates you more? Mm, awesome question. I can see this being answered a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. Absolutely. Personally, I don't get motivated by seeing the devastation. I like the message, a bit like pain in my body. If I've got a cut on my hands, I see it and I learn from it and that's great. But then I don't look at it any longer. I'm just like, okay, I, I can do what I do with this with this trauma, you know. And it's the same with these devastating images. But personally, what really motivates me is seeing or even being part of people experiencing these realizations or people experiencing this deep, diverse nature when they've never been able to do that before. Mm. Maybe it's because they've got a broken leg and that's just how they are. Maybe it's because they're so busy with their jobs that finally they've got some parental relief or, you know, occupational relief and they can actually spend a day or two and go into nature. And and I love going into nature with these people because it just completely changes their whole perspective on their life and they can finally let go of this daily stress. For some people, it's even distractions. They're just constantly distracted by one thing, then the other, then the other. And I get this too, all the time, every day. My phone's pinging. It's terribly annoying mm. but I want to have it on just in case you know just in case something's going to happen that's important and yeah it stops me from actually like jumping into those experiences so the thing that motivates me is feeling it myself but most importantly seeing that inspiration in other people mm, it's really interesting yeah yeah for me I would I think uh, I would be mo I'm motivated most by 
um, knowing that I can actually contribute. Mm. So if I've seen something devastating or really had this amazing experience in the natural world and then I'm really wanting to fight for it. But that's why I've come to Extinction Rebellion, being a part of a group and knowing as a group we have more power and there's mm. more energy and there's more ideas mm. than mine. Geraldine, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for the kai that you make. Oh my goodness, I can't believe we're on a radio show right now because you make some incredible meals. And what you made on this retreat was next level. And so many people said that was one of their favourite parts of the retreat. Oh. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Well, um, kai is a connector, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you bring yeah. people together and feed them and it always like breaks down mm. barriers and absolutely. Mm. And food that's... Um, you know, made with love. With you love. You always feel that. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> okay. So, um, one of the tenets of deep ecology is that humankind needs to come back to living a more simple life. Mm. What What does that look like to you? Mm, great question. Yeah, I, f- I find that like with some things in life, this can be a bit contradictory and that's okay. Like biology is contradictory. Um, I'm, I'm a biologist and I look at how the nervous system works. You've got two opposite nervous systems working with each other at all times. It's absolutely crazy. And so this is one that I find quite interesting. A simple life could look like doing less, being distracted less, getting rid of the meaningless jobs, the things that are all predictory finance and you know all sorts of things that we wouldn't need if we were like, serving ourselves as much as we needed. But also the contradictory part, I think, is that we need more complex lives, not complicated lives. So complicated is like building an aeroplane and you can break it down into lots of pieces or even identifying your business and breaking it down into this person's the CEO, this person's the manager, etc. But complex is what nature does best. Complex is almost infinite different things going on, very diverse, beautiful different life forms, all interacting in a very, very complex way. And this seems to be how our biology works too. Our brains pick up on complex patterns beautifully. Mm. But you try and get someone to memorise a very long word or number or do a complicated thing, we're terrible at it. You know, we're terrible at it. So yeah, I think simple life in terms of there's lots of things that we don't need to keep doing, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it's good to be complex. And it doesn't have to be stressful. Just do what you naturally are good at. Mm, that's one of the things that keep coming up when I was researching deep ecology was the um, the subtle complexity yeah, yeah. of the web, which yeah. is a really nice thing to think about. So, <clears throat> so um, last oh, two weekends ago, Extinction Rebellion held um, a day where we d- we dreamed of what life might look like mm. um, in this utopia going forward, and. Um, we drew pictures to begin with, and most of the group's pictures were just of like a, a village life. Eh? Yeah. And it was this coming back to the simple. Yeah. Can you talk about? Can you remember your picture? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sim- simple. Like sim- no distractions. Very local as well. Mm, like all the food right. was there, all the people were mm. there. It was all very local. And, and that's really resilient, you know. And we're expecting earthquakes in this country and solar flares and all sorts of climate, you know, induced catastrophes, human induced catastrophes. We need that resilience. And that locality is just fantastic for it. And that's what my picture was. My drawing is atrocious. It was almost encrypted. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but mine too. Yeah. Everything was just local and connected. Yep. Yeah. Yep, mine too. And it's a beautiful, beautiful vision to hold for the future, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, You're Jamie. So it welcome. has been a pleasure and a blessing to talk with you. 
Uh, a couple of things coming up for Extinction Rebellion here in Ōtipoti. Um, we have our next meeting on Friday um, the 23rd of July at the uh, Centre for Sustainability, 563 Castle Street. And we do meet fortnightly at 6 o'clock there. So everyone is welcome. The, the cause, the movement needs everyone. All rebels welcome. Um, as well in Wellington in September, um, Extinction Rebellion is holding a spring action from the 27th to the 30th. And again, this is open to everyone and to all ideas and all contributions. So most welcome. And if you want more information on that, you can contact uh, Dunedin, you can contact Extinction Rebellion at Dunedin at extinctionrebellion.nz. Like I say, everyone is welcome at the spring action and everyone is definitely welcome at our, our fortnightly meetings. Mm. So no my haramai. Thank you very much. Modi order. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.